Good to see everyone tonight, and I think this, this slide is quite appropriate when we see the snow. I want to thank those who cleared the car park this evening. Uh, I saw Sean in earlier, and <coughs> I don't know, maybe Ryan, and did he, did he get help? Did he get other help? Didn't need other help, uh, but to come in and do some salting, so thank you very much. We're also very delighted to hear of Yuri. Uh, he has arrived safely today and will be here for a little while. Uh, it's nice to see them together, seeing his little girl in the flesh for the very first time. We're going to begin by a revival hymn, 641. Revive thy work, O Lord, thy mighty arm make bare. Speak with a voice that wakes the dead and make thy people hear. So let's sing about revival and let's pray the whole way through this song tonight.
We'll be coming to our time of prayer later on tonight after we study the scriptures for a little while. But I have a special request to make just now, and that's for Madge. Madge really has been struggling over the past couple of weeks, and there has been a great decline in her health. And uh, I know she would appreciate your prayers. She's very ill just at this present time. Will you pray for Madge now as we come to the opening prayer? Lord, we enter thy presence through our mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. We come seeking our God tonight in prayer. We come sincerely, we come reverently, we come humbly and earnestly. And we know that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so we bring ourselves before the presence of God at this prayer meeting tonight. And from the beginning, we seek for the presence of God to be here, to be very real to each one, that we will know with certainty in our heart that God is in the midst of his people. Thank thee for those who have been able to come on such a, a winter's night, and we pray as they've made the effort and braved the elements that you will bless them in their own soul and encourage them, be with them. Be with us in the study of the scriptures and be with us in the season of prayer as we come to lay at your feet our desires, the burdens of our heart. We know that God in heaven hears us when we pray and he will answer according to his will. We do remember our dear sister Madja this time. Lord, you know the decline of health. You know the battle that she's had for a number of years now, but especially over the past little while. And Father, we pray that thou wilt bless her and strengthen her and be with her and help her. Scripture speaks about helping her and that right early. May that be so for your dear child tonight. Be with Dave and the family as well. We pray that you will make yourself known to them. May they be very conscious of the, the abiding presence of the Savior. When the two in the road to Emmaus walked with Heavy hearts, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And that made the difference. And whenever we have hearts that are heavy and we're going through whatever trial it might be, when the Lord comes and he visits with us, communes with us as he did to those two, Lord, that makes a difference. And we do pray for those that are in the trials tonight, like Madge and Dave, like Wesley and Ivor, that the Lord will draw near, go with them, and make the difference. Think of Peter too, and we thank thee that the plan was for him to get home from hospital tonight. Do be with him, Lord, and strengthen him and help him. And so abide with us now, Lord, as we come to your presence. Remember our friends from Ukraine. Thank thee for Yuri's visit and the opportunity to be reunited for this little time with his wife and family. And we pray that you will bless them and that you will encourage them for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, we bid you welcome, as I've said, especially on a night like this. We thank you for coming out. And if you're listening in on the internet, we bid you a very warm word of welcome also. We thank these men that are coming in now for clearing the car park for us. Um, so thank you, gentlemen. 
Please remember tomorrow night the, the Youth Fellowship at 8 o'clock and I'll be speaking. Scripture has a great text for young people and it's the word of the Apostle Paul to young Timothy by being an example and I want to speak tomorrow night on that, the example Christian. Saturday is the open air in the will of God in the center of the town at 11. We encourage you to come and stand with us. The Lord's Day begins with prayer at 8 o'clock. The Sunday school is at 10.30 and the Bible class at a quarter to 11. Phil is dealing with the Christian armor. So pray as he does this study with the young people that they will be blessed and challenged through it. Worship service is at 12 noon. Meditations from Mark, we continue with that. And the gospel meeting then at 7 o'clock, preceded by the time of prayer at 6.30. I want to mention again, because we want to be in prayer for the Youth Challenge, it recommences on the 31st of January, and then Tuesday night coming is an outreach night when we go out to the housing areas and make it known to parents that this is starting back. It's advertised on, on social media, as well as our church um, outreach on the internet and uh, parents are also contacted personally those parents that we've got contact details for so we hope we have a very good start on night one uh, for the new term do you remember the ladies meeting the 1st of February Tuesday week and Pamela Fitzsimons the, the wife of the Reverend Paul Fitzsimons will be the speaker and Anna and Grace Maternahan will be singing that evening. That meeting is at 8 o'clock. And that's the little uh, advertisement that you can share with others. We trust that you will. We're reminding you that on Saturday night, there is the special subject that will be dealt with for our young people, music in Christian public worship. And Stephen Greer is the speaker. And that's at 7.30 down in the martyrs these are all the announcements that I need to make just now we're going to sing together the hymn 633 there shall be showers of blessing this is the promise of love there shall be seasons refreshing sent from the saviour above showers of blessing showers of blessing we need mercy drops round us are falling but for the showers we plead and we certainly do plead for that for the Lord to come in a mighty way in this day in which we live.
verses that I want to read with you tonight from God's Word. You know the subject that we want to speak on. If you saw the, the little advert that we sent out on the WhatsApp group, when the ear of God is deaf, and we're going to read just two verses, the opening two verses of Isaiah chapter 59. We're going to dispense with all the homiletics rules. We're just going to talk to you tonight. Uh, just a talk from the heart. And then towards the end, I'm going to read an article to you from a book that has meant a lot to me and my ministry. I've had it a long time for many years. It's a book entitled The Revival We Need. And we do need revival. And in that book, there's a chapter that deals with obstacles. It's written by Oswald Smith. And I have printed out, some of you maybe have this from many years ago. I can remember reading it, it's a long time ago now. And uh, I printed out about 20 copies. So if you want a copy of it, if we run out and you want a copy, let me know. But uh, we'll read it at the end. It has been a challenge to me. And uh, I know that it will be to you. We've got notes for you, brethren and sisters, from Ukraine. Um, I just remind you that it's Google Translate, okay? So it's not perfect. It's 90%. If there's any heresy, it's Google, okay? It's not me. And uh, I apologize in the printing because we did do a Google Translate on this leaflet. And when you open it, you have to turn it around that way because it's just the way the printer went. Didn't get time just to rectify that. But anyhow, these two verses, Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. We have every encouragement to pray. That's something that we emphasized at the week of prayer last week. And we took for our theme, the God who answers prayer. And we thought of his greatness and his might. We thought of how we are instructed to pray. The word of God instructs you and I as believers to seek the Lord. The Bible says men not always to pray. It's the words of Christ, not to faint. Jesus also said, ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. We also said that we are not only instructed to pray, we are invited to pray. And, and we took as a, a text one of the nights this verse that has been here ever since the, the church hall and the Carson complex was, was opened. And this has been a special text for our congregation. Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And then, of course, we spent a little bit of time dealing with the fact that we are inspired to pray. There's every incentive as a church to seek the Lord or as individuals to seek the Lord. And we listed a number of encouragements. There's the examination of who God is. When we come to pray, we must remember who he is, the one that's, that's sitting upon the eternal throne of heaven. And the answer in the shorter catechism question four gives a very 
great summary of who God is. He's a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Never lose sight that God is infinite and he's eternal and he's unchangeable and he is in all the attributes that surround his person and character. Another encouragement was that we have the exceeding great and precious promises of God. Turn to the scriptures, open up the Bible and the scriptures filled with promises that God hears us and God answers us when we pray. Psalm 91 verse 15, just taking one one example. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And then we thought about another encouragement and that's the examples given in scriptures. And there's, there's a multiplicity of cases of men and women in the Bible who prayed and they obtained. They had power with God, mighty power with God. We thought of Jacob, Hannah, Solomon, Elijah, and the early church. Just want to make sure that my PowerPoint is keeping up to date with me, or I'm keeping up to date with it. We thought of the experience of past answers. I think we can all look back over our Christian experience and know those times when we prayed and God answered and you ought to be encouraged by that he's done it in the past there were times that we got before God and we we prayed very definitely over a certain matter and God stepped in and we saw it as a direct answer to prayer and that should encourage us to keep coming and then we thought of the express help of the Holy Spirit the one that maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered We're not alone when we pray. God has sent a comforter. And in our Bible reading tonight, Isaiah chapter 51 or 59 and verse 1, we have the same incentive. We have the same encouragement to pray. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. In Isaiah's time, God's people wondered why God did not rescue them from their trials. You ever wonder that? Why does God not step in in the midst of this difficulty that I'm going through? They wondered perhaps that God had diminished in strength. Somehow his, his hand had become shortened that he couldn't save. He could no longer reach down. His hand wasn't long enough to reach down and give the help that was necessary. Isaiah assures the people that this was not the case. God's hand was not shortened that it could not save. The prophet declares, behold. That word's important. When you read a word like that in the Bible, it just simply means see this. Mark this. Don't lose sight of it. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Then perhaps there were some of God's people who who recognized that the problem was not God lacking power, but maybe he wasn't really interested in our problems. He just didn't, didn't hear us whenever we called. But this was not the situation at all. And Isaiah goes on to declare, The Lord's ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. 
There is no dullness in the hearing of God. That's what the word heavy means here. His hearing is perfectly sharp. His ear is constantly inclined towards his people. He listens when we pray. Never for one moment think that God has lost his power or lost his hearing or ability to hear. He is still the omnipotent God, the all-powerful, the almighty, the all-sovereign God of unlimited strength. Remember what, what we said from the little summary given in the catechism. He's infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his power. One of the things that's singled out there in that definition of who God is. And he's still the God who answers prayer. Indeed, he bends his ear to listen. He invites us to call upon him in every situation of life. And he extends his gracious promises. Don't lose sight of that, beloved, tonight. However, verse 2 begins with a but. The word but. Note it carefully. Though the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear heavy that it cannot hear. No, no problem with God. No problem with God's hand. No problem with God's hearing. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Our sins, if we refuse to confess them, we refuse to part with them, get them beneath the, the cleansing of the blood of Christ, they soon become a barrier between us and God. They become a hindrance in prayer. They separate us from fellowship and they choke up the blessing. God will not hear us. He makes that clear. If we allow sin to linger in our lives. This is the same thing that the psalmist declared. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. We do well to listen to verses like this. We ought to pay attention. It's a serious matter. When you read words like this in the Bible, the Lord will not hear me. And here in Isaiah, your iniquities are separated between your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Such declarations of divine truth ought to make us sit up and pay attention and even tremble. The ear of God is closed while sin remains. I've shaken that. It's still there. But it's gone from my screen. But that's okay. Not to worry about it tonight. Um, I would like to call it up, however. Let me see if I can just get it on my screen again. Thank you for your patience. So we've got to verse 2, and we've got to this but. So the ear of God is closed while sin remains. Unanswered prayer is not because God has lost his power and he's lost his hearing or he's not just interested in us anymore. The problem is with us. 
It's our sins. Sin separates us from God. And we need to be very careful how we view that when we say that, that sin separates us from God. We're not separated from the presence of God. Now, that's an impossibility. God is everywhere. You think of that Psalm 139. We could read so many verses from it, but just take verse 7 for an example where the question is asked, whether shall I go from my spirit or whether shall I flee from my presence? And the psalmist goes on to show how utterly impossible it is to flee from the presence of God. God in the infiniteness of his being is everywhere. So we're, we're never separated from the presence of God. And we're never separated from the love of God. The redeemed, the blood-bought church taken into personal union with Christ can never be separated from God's love. Isn't that the whole argument that Paul made at the end of Romans chapter 8? We looked at that a week or two ago in our little study in the video. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember all the things that, that Paul spoke about, the possibility that this, 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 this might have the possibility, but the conclusion is there's nothing. Nothing in the whole wide world can separate us from God's love. We are loved with everlasting love. However, sin does separate us from God. And how does that happen? Sin separates us from fellowship with God. Sin separates us from the blessings of God. One of the greatest blessings that you and I can have is the fact that God answers prayer. And this is what Isaiah is urging upon the hearts of his people in his day. God is not answering prayer. God is not intervening in your circumstances. God is not delivering you from your trials because of sin. Not because he hasn't got power any longer. Not because he cannot hear anymore. But because your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you. That he will not hear. The prophet therefore rectifies the mistake of those who had been arguing with God. Because they had not received the intervention of God. For which they had been praying for. And even fasting for. Do not lay the fault upon God if you have not been delivered from your enemies, the prophet is saying to this, these people. No, look into your own hearts, your iniquities, your sins, that's the cause. And we need to realize what sin does. I'm going to pause again for a moment, Samuel. I see when I just do that there, something happens to my technology. And I just get a, a screen with this on it again. So I'm going to ask you to be patient. Maybe there's a loose connection here somewhere. It's always good to have help.
that's the right place. Thank you very much. If we need to call on you, we'll call on you again. So we need to realize what sin does. Look, look at the slide here tonight. It's going to move for me. That's good. It hinders God's mercies coming down upon us. It hinders our prayers going up to God. You see that now? Sin in our lives hinders God's mercies coming down. Hinders our prayers going up. We all have burdens, don't we? We all have longings in our heart. Desires in our soul. We want to see our family and friends saved. I'm sure I speak for every Christian in this meeting tonight and for those that are tuning in this evening on the internet. If you're a Christian and you have family who are outside of Christ without a Savior, I know it's your burden to see them brought to Christ. And we hear it often in their prayer meetings, family members being prayed for publicly. I want to see that happening. We long for revival. We touched on it on Friday night. The great need, the greatest need of the day for God the Holy Spirit to come and, and revive the church and make it alive again unto God. We certainly want to see the movings of God in that way. And we desire the blessings of God upon the work here. We want to see God advance his kingdom on earth and certainly in this little part of his kingdom here on Market Street in this church. We want to see the work going forward, whether it's the children's work or the youth work or or any other department of the church want to see the blessing of God resting upon it. And we also pray that God will deliver us from our enemies. We have many enemies to contend with and face in this life. Perhaps we do not need to look any further as to the hindrance of our prayers, why we don't see these things happen. And here in Isaiah 59, and the opening verses, it's our sin. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. His ear is heavy that it cannot hear. Neither is the ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you. That he will not hear. Maybe this is the reason why prayer is not being answered. And so let's be honest. <clears throat> Before God. Let's face up to the very real possibility. Let's mark it carefully. Sin. That's the reason. So what do we do? If we really desire our prayers to ascend to God and for his blessings to descend upon us, we must deal with our sin. We must acknowledge our sin. Whenever Israel had backslidden in the days of Jeremiah, God came through the prophet with a message to the people. Only acknowledge thy transgressions. We need to acknowledge it. Lord, we have sinned. And then we need to confess that sin to the Lord. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we need to repent of our sin. And that's a turning away. It's not only confession, but it's turning away from our sin, not to return to our sin again. So in his book, The Revival We Need, Oswald J. Smith has a chapter 
entitled Obstacles. And I, I want to finish this little talk tonight just very simply by reading it to you. I have a copy of it here, but I think I also have it on the screen before us. So you'll be able to see it and follow it as well as listen to it. There is only one obstacle that can block up the channel and choke God's power, and that is sin. Sin is the great barrier. It alone can hinder the work of the Spirit and prevent a revival. And then he quotes David, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And then Isaiah, our text tonight, these significant words, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have been his face from you that he will not hear. Sin then is the great barrier, and it must be put away. Nor is there any alternative. There can be no compromise. God will not work as long as there is iniquity covered up. In Isaiah 10 and verse 12, we read, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up the fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. And in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, the promise of blessing is vouchsafed based, however, upon unalterable conditions. If my people, which are called by my name, declares the Lord, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heed their land. Hence, nothing short of a broken heart over sin Full confession and restitution will satisfy God. Sin must be forsaken utterly. And not only sorrow for the consequences and punishment of sin, but for sin itself as committed against God. Hell is full of remorse, but only for the punishment incurred. There is no real contrition. The rich man uttered not a word of sorrow for his sin against God. Luke 16, 29 and 30. But David, though guilty of both murder and adultery, saw his sin as against God alone. Psalm 51, verse 4. Mere remorse is not truly, is not true godly sorrow unto repentance. Judas, though filled with remorse, never repented. Now God alone is able to bestow a contrite and broken heart a sorrow that will result in the confession and forsaking of sin. And nothing short of that will suffice. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. Psalm 51 verse 17. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall find mercy. Proverbs 28 verse 13. Only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God. Jeremiah 3.13 There are three kinds of confession that must be considered. One, private confession. For where the sin has been committed against God alone, it need be confessed to no other but God. 1 John 1 verse 9, Psalm 32 verse 5. Two, personal confession. For where the sin has been committed against 
another, it must be confessed not only to God but also to the one who has been wronged. Nor will there be any peace until the confession has been made and forgiveness sought. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Three, public confession. For where the sin has been committed against the church, that is to say the entire congregation, a class, organization, or company of people, the confession must be as public as the transgression. As long as iniquity among the people of God is covered over and unconfessed, just so long will the Spirit of God be unable to bring about a revival. Men must get right with each other in order to be right with God. One night at the close of a searching message, a young man walked up to the front and turning to the congregation made the startling confession that he had stolen and used money that had not belonged to him, after which he passed into the inquiry room to get right with God. He had been the treasurer of two important organizations and had squandered nearly all the funds entrusted to him. It is a common experience to find souls kneeling at the altar and calling upon God with apparent great anguish of heart who fail to receive anything. And it is just as common for groups of people to gather together for nights of prayer, for revival, and yet never have their prayers answered. What is the trouble? Let the word of God answer. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Hence, let us uncover our sin first of all. Let us make straight the crooked ways. Let us gather out the stones and then we may ask in faith and expectancy for showers of blessing. Now let us take our sins one by one and deal with each transgression separately. And let us ask ourselves the following questions. It may be we are guilty and God will speak to us. Number one, have we forgiven everyone? Is there any malice, spite, hatred or enmity in our hearts? Do we cherish grudges and have we refused to be reconciled? Two, do we get angry? Are there any uprisings within? Is it true that we still lose our temper? Does wrath hold us at times in its grip? Three, is there any feeling of jealousy? When another is preferred before us, does it make us envious and uncomfortable? Do we get jealous of those who can pray, speak, and do things better than we can? Four, do we get impatient and irritated? Do little things vex and annoy? Or are we sweet, calm, and unruffled under all circumstances? Five, are we offended easily? When people fail to notice us and pass by without speaking, does it hurt? If others are made much of and we are neglected, how do we feel about it? Six, is there any pride in our hearts? Are we puffed up? Do we think a great deal of our own position and attainments? Seven, have we been dishonest? Is our business open and above reproach? Do we give a yard for a yard and a pound for a pound? Eight, have we been gossiping about people? Do we slander the character of others? Are we tail bearers and busybodies? Nine, 
Do we criticize unlovingly, harshly, severely? Or are we always finding fault and looking for the flaws in others? Ten, do we rob God? Have we stolen time that belongs to him? Has our money been withheld? Eleven, are we worldly? Do we love the glitter, the pomp, and the show of this life? Twelve, have we stolen? Do we take little things that do not belong to us? Thirteen, do we harbor a spirit of bitterness towards others? Is there hatred in our hearts? Fourteen, are our lives filled with lightness and frivolity? Is our conduct unseemly? Would the world by our actions consider us on its side? 15. Have we wronged anyone and failed to make restitution? Or has the spirit of Zacchaeus possessed us? Have we restored the many little things that God has shown us? 16. Are we worried or anxious? Do we fail to trust God for our temporal and spiritual needs? Are we continually crossing bridges before we come to them? 17. Are we guilty of lustful thoughts? Do we allow our minds to harbor impure and unholy imaginations? 18. Are we true in our statements? Or do we exaggerate and thus convey false impressions? Have we lied? 19. Are we guilty of the sin of unbelief? In spite of all he has done for us, do we still refuse to believe the promises of his word? 20. Have we committed the sin of prayerlessness? Are we intercessors? Do we pray? How much time are we spending on our knees? Have we crowded prayer out of our lives? 21. Are we neglecting God's word? How many chapters do we read each day? Are we Bible students? Do we draw our source of supply from the scriptures? 22. Have we failed to confess Christ openly? Are we ashamed of Jesus? Do we keep our mouths closed when we are surrounded by worldly people? Are we witnessing daily? And 23. Are we burdened for the salvation of souls? Have we a love for the lost? Is there any compassion in our hearts for those who are perishing. These are the things, both negative and positive, that prevent the work of God in the midst of his people. Let us be honest and call them by their right name. Sin is the word that God uses. And the sooner we admit that we have sinned and are ready to confess and forsake it, the sooner may we expect God to hear us and work in mighty power. Why deceive ourselves? We cannot deceive God. Then let us remove the obstacle, the hindering thing before we take another step. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Judgment must begin at the house of God. This has been the history of revival work all down through the centuries. Night after night sermons have been preached and no results obtained until some elder or deacon bursts out in an agony of confession and going to the one whom he has wronged craves forgiveness. Or some woman who is a prominent worker breaks down and in tears confesses publicly that she has been gossiping 
about some other sister or is not on speaking terms with the person across the aisle, then when confession and restitution have been made, the fallow ground broken up, sin uncovered and acknowledged, then and not until then, the Spirit of God comes upon the audience and a revival sweeps over the community. Generally, there is but one sin, one hindering thing. It was an Achan in the camp of Israel, and God will put his finger directly on the spot, nor will he take it off until that one obstacle has been dealt with. Oh, then let us plead first of all the prayer of David when he cried, Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And no sooner will the obstacle of sin be taken out of the way than God will come in mighty revival power. I've read that chapter many times. I've read it recently. And it brought me to think of what I've talked to you tonight about. God's ear being deaf. Why? Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And very often it's not just the great big sins out there. But it's many of these little sins that are harbored in our life that we're not prepared to part with and give up. God will not hear and answer prayer until we're right with him in our hearts. May God help us to, have, to make restitution and to acknowledge and confess and repent of our sin and to know the blessing of God coming down that we might see answer to prayer. 638 is another hymn about revival asking the Lord to visit us visit us Lord with revival stricken with coldness and death where is our hope of survival save in thy life giving breath will you not pray Lord send us revival let it begin now in me whatever commencement it has to have in here and it might begin with getting our sin confessed and put away and beneath the blood of Christ whatever it is has to happen in here let us bring it to the Lord let it begin now in me gladly dethroning each rival yield I my heart unto thee don't have a rival on the throne of your heart don't you allow, allow something to become more important than the Lord in your life but seek him first and everything else will fall into place. Let's sing it.
pray for it tonight. The mighty works of God to be done. For revival to come to our land. Continue to pray for Ukraine. And all that's happening there. And remember this family. Uh, the process is going forward. And they may be here in about two weeks time. Possibly. Pray that the Lord will open up a door. Provide a place for them to live. Showed this picture earlier. Gary has arrived and it was just lovely to see this family reunited. So there they are. It was good to see Pastor. Amen. Peter was to get home from hospital this evening. And we continue to remember Wesley and Ivor. And we've talked to you about Dave and Madge. Uh, Marion, always good to see Marion at the services. Joan Gibson, Mrs. Kyle, Maureen Conley, Elizabeth Conley, Mervyn Miller, Dorothy Blair, Sister Maud Graham, and Jose. So we pray tonight, keep this in mind. These two verses of scripture, let's know and be encouraged with verse 1. Nothing wrong with God's hand, nothing wrong with God's ear. His hand is still as strong as ever to save and deliver. And his ear is still open and willing to receive our prayers. But sin comes between. And we need to make sure that we deal with our sin. Hides the face of God that he will not hear. Coming to our time of prayer, and that being the case, we say goodnight to those that are joining us on the internet. And we trust that you'll be blessed and challenged even as you leave with what we've said tonight and get before the Lord. And let's, let's pray together. You pray at home and we'll be praying here at the church.